This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. You guys, I use these every single day. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it is so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes. Plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. And when you try it, you'll see that it is what your eyes have been looking for. So check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. This episode contains mature content like sex and intimacy. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm loving our series right now. We are in a series called For the Love of Sex. (laughs) I mean, we thought we could get real cutesy with the name of it, but I mean, for the love of sex it is. And so we've touched obviously on sex before inside other relationship series or as a a kind of a one-off episode that fit a larger theme, but we wanted to give it its own platform to talk a little bit more intimately about, to expand on, to have different types of experts weighing in here in several different ways. We wanted to kind of unhook the pearls that we have clutched in some previous episodes that evolve around sex and just say, we're grown. Let's just talk about about bodies. Let's talk about pleasure. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about old sex. Let's talk about new sex. Let's talk about the problems with sex. Let's just let's just get after it. So I love today's episode because it's from another angle that ultimately matters. And it matters to all of us because of the way we consume entertainment. So we're talking about a phenomenon related to sex that's been going through quite a change, a positive one, which is great news. You may have just been paying attention to noticing some of the differences on sex scenes when we're in film and TV spaces between 
let's say 10 years ago, particularly at the turn of the Me Too movement. And as sexual harassment accusations surfaced about obviously Harvey Weinstein, which led like hundreds of other accusations all over Hollywood. And those are just reported, right? And so if you've noticed sex portrayed in film and on television post Me Too really sheds a light maybe on how it used to be portrayed. Like, you know, if you ever go back to something 20 years ago or more, a show and you go, whoa, whoa, I cannot believe they showed that or said that or did that, how women potentially were exploited and why a lot of folks in the industry felt like there were no boundaries in these areas in terms of filming sex scenes and that the rumored casting couch was like a sad reality. And so, so many brave women have come forward and talked about their experiences inside the entertainment industry, some of whom had been previously blackballed, right, from the business or struggled to continue their careers after having called their abusers on the carpet and then suffered at the hands of an unfair power differential. So now, if sex is going to be a part of a film or television show, there are rules and there are boundaries. It's a great, positive shift. On set now, there are generally professionals who plan sex scenes, and they determine the consent of the actors in advance. They provide them with the equipment if necessary, to ensure that their dignity is respected. And there are guardrails now around a portion of the entertainment industry that has been historically marked by coercion, a lack of consent. Well, we're going to talk about, I don't want to steal the thunder. We'll talk about it. So I wanted to touch on Hollywood because I think Hollywood in so many ways, pop culture in general, sets the tone for the rest of us to culturally talk about sex. And it does influence our level of comfort with it. It forces us to confront how scenes like that make us feel when we watch stories. Just pick a thing of maybe unconsensual sex or sex in a long-term partnership or teenagers fumbling around for the first time on screen. It affects us. Our own memories are triggered. Our own feelings are triggered. It does matter. And so... I will just be honest, like what happened five years ago when Alyssa Milano tweeted her story out on the heels of Tarana Burke's hashtag, you know, me too, it created a flashpoint that changed how we define and disseminate power on screen and off screen. And so this conversation was really, really interesting because today we are delving into this a bit inside the industry. And we're going to talk about the changes that have been brought to bear. And I am so excited to have one of those professionals who's an incredibly well-pedigreed intimacy coordinator to walk us through it. So today we're talking with Jessica Steinrock. Jessica got her PhD in theater at the University of Illinois. And she has gone on to manage the safety of actors during intimate scenes on sets of major outlets, Netflix, Hulu, TNT, I mean, all of it. She is a certified intimacy coordinator and one of only 40 intimacy coordinators listed on SAG-AFTRA's registry of qualified intimacy coordinators. So it's a growing industry that she is a part of, which is exciting. Additionally, she's the CEO of her own company that certifies intimacy coordinators and is SAG-AFTRA certified. 
as a company. So she knows the ins and outs of communicating consent, managing a set, and the importance of changing the standards of the industry. It's fascinating. It's interesting. It's new. It's kind of pioneering work. And it has far-reaching effects. This is good news, guys. This is great news. And you're going to love her. She is so lively. She's so dynamic. She's just, her energy is infectious. I loved this entire conversation. So please let me introduce you to the wonderful Jessica Steinrock. Jessica, I am really just so excited to meet you. Thank you so much for being on the For the Love podcast. I, I've been like seriously looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me and talking about this work. I think it's really important. It is. And it's fascinating and it's kind of new and it's needed and necessary. I mean, I just have a million questions. So, kind of before we drill into your work. Can you just tell my listeners who are new to you like this? Hi, I'm Jessica. This is my deal. This is where I live. These are my people. This is kind of how I got up to this moment in my life and just kind of a snapshot of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Dr. Jessica Steinrock. I am an intimacy director for live performance and an intimacy coordinator for TV and film. And I also am the CEO of a company called Intimacy Directors and Coordinators that trains and educates people about this role. And we're looking to perpetuate this role throughout the entertainment industry. So that's just a little bit of like a my bio. I'll say I personally, so this is a really new career. A lot of folks are like, oh, I've never heard of it. And that makes a lot of sense because it's a brand new career. A lot of people have been working in other ways and shapes and forms advocating for this work, but we're really starting to see this job and this job title crystallize in the last five years, which is really exciting. And so I got here kind of a roundabout way because my background is actually in improv and stand-up comedy performance. And I did a lot of my research looking at how we navigate consent in spontaneous theater. So if we're going to do an improv show, ask, you know, ask for a suggestion from the audience, How do we then take that suggestion, perform it on stage with no script, no rehearsal, and still navigate consent between the actors? Wow. So those were my original research questions. And through that research journey and through some friends, my husband is a fight director for theater. So he does a lot of like sword fighting and fake punches and things. So I met some friends in his community who are doing some incredible work about staging sex on TV and on stage. And I met two incredible professionals named Tony Asina and Alicia Rodas, who have been huge leaders in this industry. And I had the opportunity to collaborate and build with them. And that has ultimately led me to where I am today. It's really amazing. Yeah, I hadn't thought about navigating these guardrails in a live improv setting. I mean, that yeah. is tricky. <laughs> yes, it is. So, yes, it I is. mean, you learned like in the deep end, because then of course you can drag it into film and TV where everything can be scripted and carefully shot and edited. But yeah, that's a live wire performance right there. Yeah. And it's an industry that's not really known for being the most friendly towards women or towards, you know, anybody who's been historically marginalized. And so you have a lot of power dynamics to consider. Yeah, they're really, really interesting questions. And I I will also say that those communities are doing incredible work navigating consent and working on eliminating harassment. So it's been really, yeah, it's been really exciting to be parts of those conversations. I just love to hear this. 
I feel like when any industry begins to take this seriously, when they begin to protect consent and dignity, it has an effect everywhere. It just, justice somewhere ultimately means justice in more places and everywhere, hopefully. And so this is a big deal, even outside of the industry. And so inside your world here, and I think a, a lot of us just know this simply as consumers of TV and film and theater, of course, but can you just put it like kind of on paper in terms of what the sets were like in filming spicy scenes historically, and um, particularly before like the Me Too movement, definitely before the advent of intimacy coordinators as sort of a, a, of a boundary maker and keeper. So what were the guardrails back in the day? Yeah, you know, there were not as many as there are now, that's for sure. And I think it's really interesting because you see such a range of experiences. Some people had great experiences filming intimate scenes. You know, I never want to be like, you know, everybody had a terrible time. And there were so many people who have been part of the work that intimacy coordinators are doing now before the role even existed. Like costumers are a really great example of folks who prior to this role of the intimacy coordinator really becoming part of our professional vocabulary They were doing things with the modesty garments. They were supporting the actors. They were emotional advocates in many ways. The challenge was, though, is that even if someone was doing that support, that wasn't part of their job description. They didn't necessarily have institutional power to support them in that advocacy, right? It was all a little bit more underground. So we also hear a lot of stories where actors are advocating for their scene partners or directors are advocating, right? But none of that advocacy was guaranteed And we didn't know where it was going to come from or where you could go if you had questions, which means in an unfortunate instance where someone maybe was abusing their power or where communication was unclear or where someone did feel coerced, there wasn't necessarily a clear pathway towards support. And so that has meant that over time, and because the power dynamics in the entertainment industry are so strong, we had a lot of issues and challenges that led to coercion, led to lack of consent, led to abuse of power. And a number of folks have really come out talking about not great experiences performing intimate scenes or being asked to do scenes of intimacy, really leading to the need for a role who's going to help coordinate, communicate, and support everyone on, the, on set to do these scenes safely and with artistry. So if you were to put like a fine point on it, when there weren't standards, I mean, you could hope for the best and maybe you got a great director or a great scene partner, maybe the producers savvy, but obviously as mentioned, absolutely no guarantees, no industry standards here. For those of us who are kind of outside of the world, we may be thinking, well, I mean, if a sex scene is written, how can this be coercion? Like if you agree to it, if you've like, well, I've read it and I'm going to be a part of this. Like, what did it really look like for intimacy to be breached, to be exploited in some way? How do the power differentials like literally play in to ultimately a super potentially toxic work environment? Yeah. I mean, you know, we read a script, right? And it says they have sex and you're like, all right, I I think I know what that means. But my brain already is like, there's 50 ways that that scene could look. 
And I might only really be comfortable filming 20 of them. Think about all the different positions there are when two humans decide to be intimate with one another. And all of those, what sex quote unquote means is going to look different to each and every person. So we can even take nudity as an example. So I might say, are you comfortable with exposing your chest or your breast, right? And you might be like, oh yeah, sure, that sounds fine. But then when we're on the day, you realize that it's actually, there's 50 other people in the scene. It's fluorescent lighting. It's going to be a close-up on your chest, right? All of that information will affect whether or not someone can give consent. And coercion comes into play when we lack time for consideration, which I don't know if you've heard the phrase, but like, right, time is money. And on set, that is magnified. One of the very first things that I was told the first set I walked onto was don't be the thing that slows it down. There is a huge Mm. pressure on the day, on set, to get through all of the shot lists that you're trying to get through. And so you don't want to be the thing that slows it down. And actors hear this over and over and over again. And so if on that day, someone's like, great, are you ready to take off your shirt? And there's all this new information coming at you. There's no time for consideration. And so maybe you say yes, maybe you keep pushing forward and then you walk off set 24 hours later, you pause and think, hmm, that didn't feel great. I think if I'd had that information, I wouldn't have said yes. I felt pressured into saying yes or pressured to say like, oh, well, this is a really great director. This is such an opportunity. There's a million people out the door behind me that'll do this role if I won't, right? All of those things that we kind of hear as industry cliches add to this element where pressure and time can lead to coercion. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Can you give us an example or two of how having you or another intimacy coordinator that you've trained on set kind of almost in real time either changed a director's perspective or changed the the safety or self-advocacy for for an actor like an aha moment if you will inside your industry (laughs) where you went this is why we're here this is this is how this work actually mattered on this exact set at this time Yeah. And well, I don't talk specifically about any sets I've been on just because I want to keep actor confidentiality. But 
one of the things that I think is so powerful and I've seen be really powerful about my job is that we do so much prep work. Most of my job, I would say like 60, 70% of my job really comes a week before we're filming the scene. And that's where we get kind of that balance of consideration and time. And actually SAG-AFTRA, which is the actor's union for screen actors, has released new guidelines, created more safety net measures, one of which is that an actor has to have their simulated sex and nudity rider, which is like a contract that specifically talks about those scenes. They have to have that now for 48 hours before filming. And that's a great and huge change. Again, thinking about how time and consideration leads to less coercion. That's a huge, mm, huge thing. Because it used to be like on the spot. Uh, it could have been. I mean, sometimes there was a little bit flexibility, but yeah, you could have it like on the day, get it in your trailer, Got read it. it, sign it, do it that day. And so now what this also means, though, is we have to have a lot more conversations ahead of time. Things like talking to the actor, talking to the director, facilitating a conversation between the actors and the director, where the director is like, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I want. And the actors are thinking like, oh, well, I think my character would do this, or what positions are we going to see? How much of my body is going to be exposed? And then I get an opportunity to talk with the actors individually, one-on-one, to give them space to express their concerns with someone who doesn't have hiring, firing power That's over good. them. Yep. Right. And so I get to say, oh, great, you're, you're concerned about that. You're nervous about that. Can I support you in communicating that to the director? Can I support you in communicating that to the wardrobe person? Do you want to try on those garments before the day? Do you want to have an opportunity to practice making sure that those movements are going to keep that garment on your body in a way that makes you feel confident and comfortable? And so then on the day, my goal is, is that there should be no surprises and everybody is fully aware fully considered and fully confident in what they're going to need to do their best work. That's fantastic. Recently, an actor for Game of Thrones went on record to say that intimacy coordinators were unnecessary and could even interfere and prevent actors from creating natural looking sex scenes. And I can imagine other people maybe have a similar critique. So obviously you want your work to protect and support actors while also giving the best possible outcome in terms of acting, right? So how do you respond to something like that? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, any kind of change in an industry is always going to be met with questions, concerns, and even fear. So usually the resistance, if I've ever experienced any, comes from a place of just not quite understanding how this works and that it's just something that's new. Now, with this specifically, this specific idea of spontaneity and organic nature and acting, one of the things I like to parallel a lot is how we work in stunt scenes. And so, right, we're not actually punching each other. We're not actually stabbing each other with swords. That is all deeply meticulously choreographed. That is something that we've rehearsed and practiced and also looks incredibly spontaneous. Right, and looks amazing Mm -hmm. because the actors are safe confident and are great actors. Like they're just good Mm -hmm. actors, right? And no one would be like, oh, well, the bar fight's not going to look real unless we just improvise it, right? That's true. That is so true. Yes. (laughs) And so when it comes to scenes of intimacy, there's just kind of this like cultural idea. Well, no, we just have to go for it. We just have to. And I, I don't think that we actually need to. And I've seen over and over again that actually when actors have a sense of what's going to happen to their bodies, they know the arc of the scene. They have the time to think about how their character would want or move in those positions, they then layer on their acting onto this movement scaffold 
and we create a better story because when actors are safe, they do their best work. Makes when actors sense. are worried about their safety, half of their brain is going to be thinking about what's going on to my body. Where's their hand going to go next? Where am I going to get kissed? Do I want to get kissed? Do I trust this person? If we eliminate all of that talk, the actor can just focus on their job and That's create so brilliant storytelling. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And what you're not saying is let's take out all the like anything that feels too sexual. It, they can still be super yeah. sexual. Oh like, yeah. The scenes can still be spicy and yeah. hot and touchy and all the things you're, all not, the re- things. you're not removing the sexuality yes i love i love steamy scenes i love spicy scenes i am a romantic connoisseur in my media i love it all and i think what makes me love it though is knowing that these actors are safe while doing that these actors are excited to tell those stories that they weren't coerced into doing it because they think it's gonna give them their break or their next job because I want to believe that the actors want to tell that story. And that makes me really excited as a viewer. Absolutely. I'm curious, as an intimacy coordinator, you work with actors from all sorts of backgrounds, different ethnicities, different genders, different races. So you've got kind of a wide array, obviously, of actors to work with. How do you see your particular role, this new role that we are delighted to see inside the entertainment industry addressing any additional complications around just this wide array of identity potential issues on a scene on any given set yeah it's a great question and when it comes to consent and coercion those things are magnified when we look at how intersectional identities interplay intersectional meaning someone who maybe has two or more historically marginalized characteristics sure. so that's you know race sexuality gender etc as a, a white intimacy coordinator i can speak from my experience as a white woman and support other women in those ways but what we also need to see is a pool of diverse and qualified intimacy coordinators yes Right now, intimacy coordinators are predominantly white women. And while this is a, a relatively new field and a rare field where women are the majority, what we need to see is a more diverse pool of intimacy coordinators so that we have more of those voices impacting and supporting women of color, Black trans women, actors who have historically marginalized characteristics. So part of that, as I mentioned, I run a company that trains intimacy coordinators. And so we have a number of diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives because we need to see more intimacy coordinators from more diverse backgrounds and support those individuals into this discipline to give actors their best support. Excellent. Let's come up high. Let's let's pull up 20,000 feet and kind of look down at just some basic standards. You talk a lot about consent. Consent being one of the center spokes of the wheel here. And <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. obviously foundational to intimacy, really whether you're on a set or in a personal relationship. Like this this is an across the board standard just for humans. So just in your words and your experience, can you break down for everybody listening, what is consent? What does it look like? What does it not look like? What's the path to a healthy, consensual sexual space? Yeah, consent is such an important topic. And consent is the agreement between two parties that's an informed agreement to engage in an action or to talk about a topic, right? Or to do something together. That's that's pretty broad. But when we break it down, essentially it's that yes and no are both 
equally valid options. So something I say a lot is that yes means nothing unless no is an option. That's good. Say that one more time. Yeah. Yes Yes. means nothing unless no is an option. Great. And so when we think about an industry whose power dynamics have made it feel like if you say no, you're not going to get the job. You're not going to get your big break. There's again, I used that example earlier, but there's a hundred other people at the door that'll do it if you won't. That means that yes, isn't actually like, doesn't mean anything because there's so much pressure behind it. And so what we do is we create space for consideration. We offer information. We allow someone to try something out and then to change their mind, knowing that they'll have support if they do change their mind. And we, we build in all these different pathways to allow communication to flow so that consent actually has a possibility of happening. Now, we're in an entertainment industry where this is an employer contract, and so there's always going to be a power dynamic at play, but our job is to mitigate it as much as possible and to create as much space for information to be passed from person to person and allow for that free-flowing of information to happen. Now, in personal lives, there shouldn't be that kind of power dynamic, right? So that's where we really get into the differences between consent in a professional setting, particularly when we're simulating sex for TV, versus consent with two partners who want to engage in an intimate activity. But we also see that's why, you know, the don't sleep with your boss. Don't your boss totally. don't sleep with your employee, right? Like that's power dynamic 101, where we're just not going to have an option for consent to happen when there's that big of a power dynamic at play. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl & Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So kind of staying on that path, the, the through line here, 
this is obviously a series about sex. And so I was excited to talk to you and about just sort of the standards around sex in, in Hollywood and pop culture, because entertainment absolutely sets the tone for the rest <laughs> of us. Yeah. To how are we talking about sex culturally? It touches on our own memories, our own experiences, obviously. Our own feelings are activated. Sometimes the entertainment industry normalizes language and ideas and standards for us. I mean, like it or not, like that's just kind of how it works. It really does have a cultural effect on the rest of us. And so obviously we've heard from you as to the importance and integrity of creating a healthy working environment for actors to be in, obviously, in intimate scenes. I'm so pleased to hear that those standards are improving and that you're a part of it and that there's a whole group of you looking at this going, we can do better and it will not, not only will it not harm the industry, it will improve the industry. And so I wonder if it Obviously, you're funneled down like into your niche here, but yeah, does it occur to you that what you are doing is actually good for the rest of us too? That you are creating sexual health in a way that has this exponential effect on the rest of us consumers of entertainment and what it's doing for us both personally sometimes and then for society as a whole. Is that at all a piece of your vision? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's a multifaceted and a multi-pronged approach because I believe, you know, like let's, let's just zoom in on an actor's experience. If you're being treated with respect, autonomy, consent during this kind of intimate scene, then when you move on to a different kind of scene, if you aren't being treated with that same amount of respect and autonomy, that's going to flash or signal. And so what we're also seeing now is consent culture expanding on TV and film sets. We're seeing as we talk about the intimate scene coming up, more perspectives and voices are now going into that storytelling. It's less of a top-down approach. Directors, I've worked with some incredible directors recently who have been so excited to hear the perspective of those actors on how they think their character would move. What's the story we all want to tell? And we're getting consent on the story we're telling, not just the physical actions. We're getting consent about how are we using our bodies to tell a story of intimacy? And is that a story we want to tell? And that's something that, you know, I do when I'm looking at a project, whether or not I want to be part of it or not, is how am I using my craft? And is that the story I want to put out in the world? Is that the story I want to tell? Now, I do think it's really important that we pair this with also media literacy, more sex education, so that young adults aren't turning to TV intimacy and thinking, oh, that's how it works, right? TV intimacy, we've got like three minutes max to tell a story. <laughs> We're never going to have an accurate representation. We might have an accurate representation of consent, of initial foreplay, of a climactic moment, but that's only going to be a fragment of what an entire sexual encounter looks like. So I think media literacy and better sex education for youth is really important to allow art to remain art and art doesn't have to be the teacher. That's I don't right. think that art should be the teacher. Mm. I think it can be an opportunity for expression, for exploration. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so we have to pair that with better sex education in our industry or in our world as a whole. That's so good. I mean, if if we expect art to be prescriptive and always instructive, then that's going to box in creativity in a very, very narrow way. Because of course, some of your work involves 
I'm assuming involves sexual scenes that are violent, right? Or aggressive, or it's not a lovely, precious part of the, of the storyline. So, right. Like you, you can't only be relegated to instructive sexual like outcomes in your work. I am sure you've got to work within a lot of scenes. Well, I mean, we can also look again at the violence example where it's like, no one's looking at that for proper, proper martial technique. No one's like, ah, that's the right way to, you know, punch someone at a bar. Right. No, we know that that's art. We know that that's telling a story. We know that you shouldn't punch your friend if they say something bad. Right. Like we know these things because we have broader education and cultural context to view that. We don't have that with intimacy right now. And that means there's additional pressure on scenes of intimacy to be the instructor when I think that that's always going to land us in a place that's not going to be healthy or helpful. TV is a fantasy. TV is a storytelling. TV is a opportunity to send a message or share a message. And people are always going to have different opinions on how that message got sent. You are so right. But what your particular work does, your corner of the industry does, is it is instructive toward corporate culture. It is instructive toward college campuses, you know, for other industries to be able to look in at what you are doing, where you are prioritizing safety, consent, autonomy, agency. These are huge, important sexual themes that I would love to see duplicated in 10 dozen other spaces, right? Where women largely, but also men are still vulnerable. They are still exploited. There are not enough standards wrapped around practices. There are power differentials. And so so while the sex scenes themselves should not be our bar, your work is. Absolutely. I love what you're doing. And so to that end, as we kind of wrap it up here, you've mentioned, and I mentioned in the top of the hour, that you are the CEO of your own company. You certify intimacy coordinators. So I've got kind of two questions about that. First of all, amazing. Just amazing. (laughs) Second of all, what does that mean? What does that look like? Like, how does an intimacy coordinator get certified? Like, what is it? And then I would love to hear broadly what your vision is for the future of creating safe sets and the profession of intimacy coordinators, which I hope just grows and grows and grows and grows. Same, same. So great. Part one of your question, how does one get certified as an intimacy coordinator? Our certification is essentially certifying that you've made it through our program and that you have demonstrated the qualifications needed for this role. So we base our qualifications off of the SAG-AFTRA recommended qualifications. SAG-AFTRA has a ton of great resources. So if anyone out there is interested in becoming an intimacy coordinator, I definitely recommend checking those out. But ultimately, we offer a foundation in consent, context, choreography, mental health support. And then we, so we've got some two, two initial courses, level one and level two aptly named. And then we have a a larger level three certification course. That's a multi-month program that includes both online and in-person education, where we go over the specific choreographic techniques, how this work functions. And then we support folks through a mentorship period when they go on to sets to ensure that they have community and they're still supported, that they have someone to text frantically. They're like, oh no, I don't know how to handle this thing that's just happened to make sure that they have support when they're on sets doing this work. So our company has a program. I think we're actually opening up an application cycle in the next couple of weeks. So that's mm-hmm. that's exciting. Great. But so we we take applications from folks who completed our level one and level two program, and then and then we we select a small cohort and train them up. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. So then you are the portal for whom directors, producers come to, and you are able to sort of deploy your certified instructors all over the place, right? Sets everywhere. Sort of. So we don't actually act as an agency, but we do have a list of people who have gone through our program and who are certified with us on our website. So we do hope that producers come to that website, find someone in their area, reach out to them to help navigate that portion of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, frankly, your work protects mm-hmm. directors and producers. It does. Yes, it so does. <laughs> they, they would have just personal incentive, I would think, to have you on set to keep everybody above the fray. And also just create an environment where actors want to continue to work for them. So, I mean, it's kind of a win-win for everybody, not just the actors, but those who are interested in building healthy sets. And what about your vision for the future? What would you love to see? Do you have, are there still some, some holes in the metric that you think we still need to work on this, or this is what I'd like to see in the future? Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of what we were talking about actually dovetails nicely. The other thing my company does is we do workshops and education for the larger entertainment community as a whole or other other organizations even that are interested in incorporating more of these consent-based practices, whether they're in entertainment or not. And our mission and vision inside our company is to create a culture of consent in which intimate stories can be told with safety and artistry. So really thinking about this from like, you know, the 30,000 foot view, we know that we have to have a culture where folks are familiar with the vocabulary of consent, where the boom operator is asking for consent from this from another sound person, where consent is part of the entire entertainment industry, so that when we get to a scene of intimacy, we're not starting from, okay, do you know you can say both yes and no? We're starting from a place where everybody already feels autonomy and agency, excitement, participation, and we can just just jump straight into that artistry component. So my hope is, you know, 10, 15 years from now, I'm not giving as many lectures on here's how we define consent. Here's what this looks like. You have agency, you have autonomy. I'm hoping 10, 15 years from now, I'm jumping in and we're saying, what positions do we want? How do we want to tell this story? And we're starting there because that foundation is already in place. I love it. Those industry changes and standards only feel impossible until they aren't. Right? Like, and they're already it, changing. It's that's amazing. Right. The difference that's right. from now and 10 years ago, it's huge. It's tremendous. And there have been so many people that have been a part of that. It's tremendous. And it's worth the work. It's worth the clunky early steps when people are like, what even is your job? <laughs> right. Um, or, you know, there's, there's critique from the wings. You're going to mess up acting. Yeah. Somebody has to pioneer. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to see you doing that. Well, I have an incredible community of colleagues who have gone before me and are coming with me to to really make this change happen. Good for you. Good for you, Jessica. Okay, last question. I ask everybody this, every guest in every series. And so, as I always say, I want you to feel absolutely free to answer this however you want. It can be like earnest and sincere, or it can be ridiculous. It's We've gotten every kind of answer and we love them all. So I borrowed this question from another author, but the question is, what is saving your life right now? What is saving my life right now? Therapy. I love therapy. 
Oh my goodness. I, I do all the kinds of therapy. My partner and I started going to couples therapy and it has been the best thing that has ever happened to our relationship. And I feel like there's a huge stigma that's like, Oh, if you go to couples therapy, that's because your relationship is in shambles. And we were like, no, we just went because we both loved individual therapy. And we were like, let's do this together. And it has changed the way we communicate. It has changed the way we know how to love one another. It has given us a brand new vocabulary. I have never been happier than with the tools. Between the two of us, we've got three therapists. It's incredible. Um, And I love every one of them. And I'm so grateful for the folks who are there giving their time, energy, and professional experience to make my life better. And I think everybody should go to more therapy. Same. (laughs) I am so deeply on record as saying therapy has, well, I can't really imagine my adult life without it. And so, yeah. Amazing. Especially if you find the right fit. Cause I recognize, you know, you you might have to try a, a couple therapists to find someone, but when it clicks, it clicks and it's truly improved the quality of my life beyond a doubt. Okay. Love that answer. Signing off here. Can you just tell anybody listening who has any level of interest in you and your work and your company and anything where they want to know more, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? All that stuff. You can check out my company on idcprofessionals.com. You can also follow me on TikTok at Intimacy Coordinator. There is a a link tree where you'll be able to find me on Instagram and things like that. But we would love to see more folks signing up for some of these classes to get that culture of consent in place, whether you're in the entertainment industry or not. I think there's a lot of value for everybody. But otherwise, I just enjoy the conversation and hope that people find me and continue to talk about spicy scenes with me. Me too. Thank you so (laughs) much, Jessica, for being on the show today, for sharing such important stuff with the rest of us, for giving us a little bit of hope. Like, look, everything's not on fire. Some things are going right. Absolutely. Well, some things are actually improving. It's night. It's good news. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm cheering you on. Absolutely cheering you on. Thank you for all your incredible work. Thank you so much for having me and for sharing about this work. I'm very grateful to be on this show. All right, you guys. When any niche industry improves their standards around sex, consent, safety, agency, it's literally good for all of us. This does have a a ripple effect on other industries. Wouldn't you love to see the Jessicas of the world in all the places I mentioned where safety is not guaranteed or it's not standardized? I just, this is great work. I feel really hopeful that there's no industry, there's no environment, there's no institution beyond repair, beyond overhaul or reform. And so I loved talking to Jessica. As mentioned, I'll have all her stuff rounded up. Go over to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, and I'll have the link to this episode. I'll have all the show notes, and I will have easy links to everything Jessica does, her socials, her TikTok, her company. Because I don't know if you caught that there at the very end, but as, as they certify and train intimacy coordinators, it's not just necessarily inside entertainment. So this may have a direct impact on your business or on your 
particular corporate environment or your educational space, whatever it is. Uh, I'm just saying this has a lot of tentacles and it may be useful for you to check out as you, if you are interested in creating more safety and agency around any sexual issues in your environment. So stay tuned for more, more coming in next week, you guys. I'll see you then.